I think Logan was eight months. I mean, we probably were setting ourselves up for trouble having children so close in age, but he was eight months when we went to Prague to go have our embryos transferred. Okay, everybody's like mind is blown. (laughs) If you don't know about embryo adoption, you got to check it out. If you can carry a baby, this is a way to adopt a baby, but carry your own baby. I mean, it's not your DNA, but you're carrying a baby. Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. I am the adoptive mother of four. I don't just talk about adoption. I live adoption. And I'm super excited that this is season five. I can't believe we've made it this far. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for all of you who have told your stories. It's been an amazing journey. We have a whole new look. And I keep saying, same old podcast, just a whole new look. But that's not really true. I feel like our stories are getting exciting and we're telling them in a way that gives people resources. And that is the one thing that I always get emails where people say, Hey, I need help. I love the story, but I need help with my child or I need help with my adoption or I need help on my journey to find my story. And we want to be that help for you. So if you go to adoptionnow.com, we have a bunch of new resources for you. We have agencies and therapists and lawyers that can help you. So go to adoptionnow.com and check that out. If you are new to us and you've never heard a podcast, we tell stories from all over the world from the perspective of the birth parent, adoptee, and adoptive parent. We talk about adoption and foster care and real issues that are happening right now. So if you're about to start your journey or you need help, don't forget Adoption Now has those answers. Okay, today we have a family on from Massachusetts. Shannon and Sean join the show. Hi, guys. Hi, April. I'm so excited to have you on because you and I, Shannon, have been talking since 2007. You sent me a little bit about your story and how you had gone through an incomplete adoption and your heartbreak. And we're going to talk about that. But then you sent me another little glimpse into your life of your new baby. Then you sent me information about embryo adoption that you were going through. I mean, your story is so exciting to me. And I love that we somehow played a role in that. And now you have three babies. So this story is just making my heart so, so happy. I can't wait to unravel it. I want to talk about first about your fertility treatments. Let's start there. You guys get married and you want to have a bunch of kids. Yes, I started probably from the very first date with Sean, and I said, I want to be a mother. I want to have lots of children. And as soon as we got married, that's, you know, we started trying to have children, and it just was not working out. We waited the the year that we needed to wait to have the insurance kick in, and we started with a fertility specialist. We did some unmedicated cycles to try to figure things out. Then we started doing medications. We did three unsuccessful IUIs. And then we started with IVFs. We went a little more invasive and did the IVF route. And through the whole infertility process, our doctor was very confident that we would get pregnant. The very first meeting that we had with her, she said, well, you're both healthy, nothing we don't see any issues. There shouldn't be any problems getting pregnant. So, of course, when we did the IUIs, 
she said, you know what, this isn't working. She was aggressive about moving forward, which I really liked. So we went to the IVF and every cycle we just, we did get more and more answers as we went through the different cycles. However, we weren't getting the answers that we needed. We still kept coming up to transfer day with either one remaining embryo of very poor quality or no embryos. All of our embryos that we had that were fertilized had stopped dividing. So by that third transfer, we did not have any embryos to transfer back. So obviously we never got pregnant with the fertility route that we went. And how did you process that, Sean? It was very, very frustrating for me, but it was more about Shannon being frustrated and Shannon being devastated by the whole thing. I certainly had my own emotions going through it, but it was more really, really tough to watch something that, you know, the love of your life had wanted for almost her entire life and just watch it every time hitting that wall and it not being able to work. It was it was more, at that point, it was more about me worrying about her, like that last round of IVF, getting a call the night before they were supposed to do the transfer, telling us that we didn't even need to bother to come in because none of them had continued to divide. That was a really brutal night. And as her husband, I kind of had this instinct, how can I fix this? And you can't. And it's really, really hard. We hopped in the car and went down to visit uh, our family, but from her side, I should say, down in Texas a few weeks late, you know, after another cycle had failed. But it was just, I felt helpless. Mm-hmm. And Shannon, I know you're devastated. Yes. And that was actually an added stress because I knew that because I was so upset, I, you know, I was having a hard time living my life as, you know, from day to day after those negatives or after the failed, you know, the completely failed cycle. And it added, and I kept thinking to myself, on top of all of this, Sean's worrying about me, you know, so mm-hmm. it just was this, it was this vicious cycle of, uh, we would get so hopeful and so excited about the next cycle and okay, this is going to work. And then come crashing down at the end of that month and go through that all over again, over and over again. And I'm so thankful that Sean was there for me and, you know, he really was supportive and helped me through everything. And as a couple we really, I do think that we we went through it together well, as well as you can as for a couple going through that, that horrible stage in life of all of the disappointment. What year was this? Sean, do you remember the exact dates? <laughs> so we got married in May of 2014, and we started up in May of 2015, and then our last, and, and all the various cycles kind of came to a complete end, probably the end of summer, beginning of fall 2016, I think, probably about that time frame. So a little, it was like maybe a year and a half of a year, right. a year and a half of continual frustration. Wow. Right. And you guys were newly married too. Yes. And I mean, we had a strong relationship going into the marriage. And I mean, this was definitely a lot of trials early on. But we were there with each other and for each other, and we made it through. And that's when we really started thinking about adoption and our different choices and our different options of how are we going to build our family because obviously this isn't working. Mm -hmm. 
Sean, were you on board for adoption? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely was. I didn't really know what the process entailed or things like costs or how long it would take, you know, but we went to an information meeting probably a month after that last cycle ended in failure. And you know, I was completely behind Shannon when she was filling out the form on her phone at the end of the informational meeting. So, yes. That was after a couple different steps because we knew that adoption was very expensive and being a newly married couple, you know, we didn't mm-hmm. have the unlimited budget that we felt like it was needed for the adoption process. So we did decide to go through the state first, and we went to the state agency. Well, we contacted them, and our search through the state agency didn't go very far because when we contacted them, we still had not put an end to our fertility journey. We weren't ready to call it quits just yet. And our initial meeting with the state agency, they asked us, why are you here adopting? And we told them we're having fertility issues. And they asked, are you in the middle of a fertility cycle right now? And I believe at that time we were, or at least we were about to start a new one. I can't remember exactly the timing, but we said, yes, we, you know, we're continuing with the fertility journey at the same time that we're pursuing adoption through the state. Well, they responded with saying that we needed to end our fertility journey, that part of it, before we started the adoption process, whether that ended in a pregnancy, you know, and and we went and had a child and then we could go through the state or whether we called it quits with the fertility treatments and then we could uh, adopt through the state. I wasn't ready at that point to call it quits with our fertility treatments and the cycles. So I was very conflicted. I wasn't sure what to do because this was the way that we could get a child basically for free. You know, we had to do the training. We had to go through classes. But there were so many children in the foster care system that were available and, you know, needed good homes and we were ready. But they needed us to make sure that we were not going to be doing Mm -hmm. any more fertility treatments at that time. So then what did you decide? So we decided that that was not the route that we needed to take at that particular time. We were still in communication with our fertility specialist, and we were not ready to cut the ties yet. So we decided that we were not going to go through the state. There were one or two other issues with going through the state as well. It's a foster-to-adopt situation, which it's tough because, you know, in theory, all the way up for several years until the adoption's finalized, they have the primary goal of attempting to reunite the child with their biological right. family. So, you know, you could have a year or two where this child really becomes part of your family. You really start to bond and then they're yanked out of your house and it's over. Mm-hmm. And so as that as was something parents, I don't know we could we handle. We weren't ready right. to do that. It, you know, later down the road, we've already discussed, we would love to consider fostering and even fostering to adopt a child through the state. But at that time, being first-time parents, that route just seemed too much for us to go through to begin our family. Right. That makes so sense. We decided, yeah. I mean, I say that to families when they ask me what journey they should take. I always get, what's the easiest? None. 
<laughs> zero. Nothing is easy per se. Nope. Nope. And choose your pain. It, yeah, choose your pain. And choose your joy too, because you know, there are great joy in really persevering with hard times and, and a hard journey. But I always say if you are choosing foster care because you want to save money, it's not a reason to choose foster care. If you're right. choosing foster care because you want to reunify a child or you are hoping to be a part of that, but maybe adopt, then that's a better place for you. But if you want a baby, do private infant adoption, because if you exactly. can't handle reunification, then it's really not for you. And you know, that's where we were too. We could not handle it. We did it and it was, went terrible. And I said, I can't do this right now. I want to grow my family. And so we've got to find a way to fundraise and be able to afford private infant adoption. So is that what you guys did? Or did you go back into trying to do the fertility treatments? So during this whole time where we're deciding what to do about the adoptions, I think our fertility treatments, we had completed that third failed cycle, but our doctor didn't know where to turn next. And I flat out said, because I was, I was frustrated. I was absolutely at the end of my rope. And I said, do we need to go to a different doctor and get a second opinion. She was very supportive and said, I 100% support you to go find a different doctor. I can refer you out to some colleagues. However, she did say in a few months, she was going to be something like an IVF committee meeting where there would be 20 or 30 specific IVF doctors in this one room and she would present our case with all of our background information and all of our cycles information. And she could get, you know, not only a second opinion, but a third and a fourth and a 20th opinion. So I said, yeah, that sounds great. So that happened around Thanksgiving. I believe it was 2016. And at that point, we had already, like I said, we had already started to pursue adoption. We just weren't sure the route that we were going. She called Thanksgiving week, and we were down in Texas visiting my family. And I remember getting the call. I think I was walking into the pharmacy or something for Tylenol or whatever. And I got the call, and she said, out of all of these other fertility specialists, the best bet for us to become parents is adoption. Wow. So she didn't say you will never get pregnant, but basically that's what she was saying. That's how I took it. And I was devastated. And I'm very thankful that I was home with my family because I think I went and I cried on my mom's couch mm. and I was just so upset. And I was also thankful that we had already started the journey into the adoption world mm -hmm. because I knew that while this door was closing with our own pregnancies and our own fertility. We were already had the door open for the adoption route. And even thinking back on that, it was so difficult and so heart-wrenching. It was very difficult to get that, that phone call and that news. So you decide, I am going to go forward, we're going to go forward, and we are going to pursue adoption. Did you go right to private infant adoption? So we did, and the reason we choose the reason we chose the agency that we did was we actually have neighbors that had adopted a wonderful little daughter 
only maybe six months before, and they are a a strong Christian family, and this was a Christian adoption agency, and it just seemed perfect. So the only thing was, we found out it was going to be very expensive, and that was a huge downfall. It was, I, we, Sean and I were talking, we don't have the funds for this. We didn't, I didn't know how we were going to afford this, but we knew that this was the route that we needed to take. So that informational meeting that Sean mentioned, that was when we went and we met with Bethany Christian Services for the first time. And we both left like, like Sean said, I was already filling out the application on my phone as we were at that meeting. We left that meeting. I think we walked across the street to a restaurant, and we were both buzzing. We just felt like this is the way we're going to grow our family. This is it. The financial piece was still in the back of our minds, but we knew that this was the agency for us, and that was how we're going to grow our family. I love that you said that because it's important to have peace when you are finding your agency. And I went through several different agencies before I found the one that I knew we were supposed to be at. Was it perfect? No, but I had peace and I knew that this is where we're supposed to be. And I think it's important to feel that way. A lot of people push forward and when things get difficult, if you don't trust your agency or your social worker, it can be very, very difficult when the emotions are high. So just make sure that you have a relationship with your agency that you feel good about at the very beginning. So when you pursued, how long before you got the match? So it was the very end of September that we went to that informational meeting. And of course, we started the application process right away. We went through the different meetings, the different paperwork, you know, the doctor's visits, the home study. We were officially approved, I believe it was December 22nd of that year, of 2016, so just a few months later that we were approved, and our photo profile book was in circulation as of that day, December 22nd, and we were waiting for that call. After that... We were waiting, waiting. Only two months later in February, we get a call saying, there's a birth mom. She looked at your profile photo book. She really likes you and she's chosen you to be the match for her her child. She's due in April with a boy. And we thought, oh my gosh, here we go. We've only been waiting for two months. Now we have a baby ready to be born in two months we got to get ready. So we started preparing. We, you know, we got the crib and the changing table. The nursery was set up with all the major things. And we were on cloud nine. We met with the birth mom a few times. She lived two hours away from us. So we drove the two hours and I met with her first. I took her to get our nails done. I took her for ice cream She mentioned she had never had hibachi, and so a few weeks later, Sean and I went down and took her to hibachi, and we just, we got to know her a little bit, and it was great, and we felt ready. It was quick. It happened very fast, much quicker than we expected, and we were ready for our son to be born in April. He ended up coming two weeks early at that point. It was a, up here, we called it the 
April Fool's Day snowstorm blizzard because it was a pretty bad blizzard on April Fool's Day, April 1st. We drove down, and he was born on April 1st. We went to the hospital to support the birth mom in her decision. We wanted to bring her some breakfast after her long night that she had just had. We wanted to be there for her, and the baby happened to be in the room. We were very excited to see the baby. It was a little nerve-wracking, but the nurse had him right there. She was feeding him. We were talking with the nurse. We were talking with birth mom, and I don't think we were in the hospital room for maybe 10 minutes before some of birth mom's family members walked in. Oh, um, this part of your story, I just can't. Yes. It, it it was it was I knew something was up as soon as they walked in because they kept saying, "There's my nephew, oh, there's my grandson," and I think the grandmother walked in and introduced herself. Hi, I'm the grandmother, and I kept thinking, "No, this is our baby. The grandmother's not here right now," and it just was, "Oh my gosh, what's what's happening?" So. We were back and forth, of course, because there was a blizzard. The social workers from the agency weren't there, and we were back and forth on the phone, and they said, go ahead and leave the hospital. We will call you when everything is sorted out. So we spent the weekend in the hotel room with the bad weather. We basically didn't go anywhere, and we were worried, and they finally said, okay, things are coming up. The birth father who had not been in the picture this whole time, the whole time she was talking to the agency, he was the one who showed up at the hospital. So, of course, we didn't know who he was, but after seeing the baby and after a day or two, he decided that he wanted to parent this child. And he and his mother went through and that we got the call from the agency that the adoption had failed and we were not getting that, that specific baby. Oh my gosh. I mean, Sean, what was that like? I remember when you first told me you walked away with an empty car seat and we've had an empty car seat experience and there is nothing like an empty car seat experience and there's nothing like that feeling. And I know that if a parent chooses to parent, that's wonderful. I've really come to that, but I, my heart breaks for the adoptive parents. You know, how did you process that? And this is another loss after failed infertility. Yes. It was, it was awful in a wide variety of ways. There was the empty car seat. So we went down on the Friday of this weekend and It was one of those storms that's like heavy, wet snow, and then as you go south, it turns to rain. So our social worker was in the snow, and she wasn't able to get out. And so we had spent probably the entire morning Saturday and into the beginning of the afternoon, like, should we go? Shouldn't we go? What should we do? We were going back and forth with her. Um, And this was the social worker that works with the birth mother, not the one that works with us as an adoptive family. And so she said at that point, she had her supervisor coming down. Actually, one more twist to that. The, The two social workers were both on vacation or conferences, and the supervisor, who was the backup, was coming down. And so it was just very chaotic. And so she said, you know, go ahead and see them. We went into the hospital, and 
in hindsight, I'm very glad we didn't have the chance to pick that little boy up because I think it would have been even worse. Mm -hmm. But, you know, then we left the room and we just had a very long night. We, neither one of us could sleep where, you know, we, we tried to watch a movie or, you know, it was, it was a area of vacation area. So, yeah, but it was off season. So everything was closed. And the next day we, uh, that Sunday, we, we didn't go to the hospital because the social worker was there and it just, we didn't want to add to a combustible situation. So we, we found a local church and went there and ended up talking with the pastor. And that ended up at least for me, kind of coming a little bit of the edge of nerves. And then that Sunday night, we, we drove, started driving back home and got the call about halfway up to a relative's house in between. And, it was awful, but the pastor who was really good and going to see some family that I'm very close with, it, it, it at least temporarily took the edge off for me. Immediately after that, like maybe a, a week or two later, Shannon had her had her week off because school vacations in, in New England are, are February and April instead of the one week in March nearly everybody else has. So we took that week in April and piled the dogs up in the car and just went down to visit her family in Texas and, and just bug out and get a change of scenery. And I'd like to think that helped, too. Both mm -hmm. of us. It but. definitely did. Yeah, I think self-care is really important in that time and surrounding yourself with people who understand and can grieve with you because it is a loss. I remember once when we had an incomplete adoption, people were saying to me, but you never met the baby, but you never took the baby home and you weren't pregnant. So it wasn't really a miscarriage. It didn't matter. I loved that baby and I had a dream in my heart to bring that little girl home. Yes. And so there is a loss to grieve. And I felt almost embarrassed, like maybe I shouldn't be sad. And they said it was our third adoption. And so they were like, and you have other kids. And it's like, it's true. I'm being really super selfish, but no, I learned that I had to grieve that. And I had to take time so to heal. Yeah, there, there yeah. are. And, and being around people who understand that is so important. We do have to take a break. But I want to say, if you're listening to the story and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't handle it. You're about to turn it off because you're in the place where you've struggled with fertility and maybe adoption scares you, or maybe you've gone through a similar situation and it's just overwhelming for you. Stay tuned because I'm going to say the same thing to you that I say to everybody. Your baby is coming. Your baby is coming. And when we come back from break, you are going to love Shannon and Sean's story. So stay tuned. You're listening to Adoption Now. We'll be right back. Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I am Noah, April's husband, and as you know, the adoptive dad of four. Today I have AJ with me, our eight-year-old son. Hi, Dad. AJ, do you have anything to say to our listeners? Yes, thank you for listening to Adoption Now. Your mom loves to talk about it, doesn't she? She sure does. Keep listening and subscribe to our weekly episodes. If you have a story you would like to tell, please check us out at AdoptionNow.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today we have Sean and Shannon on the show talking about their adoption experience. And the first half of that show was very heavy, guys. You guys have been trying to become parents with everything you have. And I think that that is the most interesting part about adoption and about becoming parents is that it's something that you don't have control over. So many people achieve, 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 and then they go to become parents, and it's like they can't control it. If you can't get pregnant, you can't get pregnant. If you sign up for adoption and the birth mom changes her mind, you have no control. At this point in your story, 
were you guys feeling so defeated or did you feel like continuing to try? We felt completely defeated. However, we knew that the journey was not over yet. And that was one thing with adoption is with infertility, you never know if it's going to work or not. With adoption, no matter what, you you will have a child in your arms at the end. You know, however you get there, there will be a child for you. So we knew that even though this was a devastating loss with this child that we did, that the birth father decided to parent, we knew that our journey was not over. That was, however, a very difficult summer after that April and the failed adoption. We had to close up that nursery that we had started. I didn't want to walk past the crib Mm -hmm. and the changing table anymore. We couldn't look at it. So we closed that room and we, I just ignored it. And that was a very difficult summer of just waiting. We felt like we weren't doing anything. We couldn't do anything. We knew that our photo book was in circulation with birth mothers, but for whatever reason, they weren't choosing us. And we just kept waiting. We obviously, we were still waiting for that phone call saying there's a birth, uh, there's a pregnant woman and she's chosen you. She's due in three months. Well, our story was a little different than that because some random Tuesday in August of 2017, I got a call after I got home from work and the agency said, I think your son was born today. And I, I started shaking. I started crying. I couldn't function. I thought, oh my gosh, this is, is this real? I think my, my response to her was, what? <laughs> I, I didn't know what to say. So I conferenced John in because he was at work and my fingers couldn't even press the key buttons, the buttons on the phone, because I was shaking so much. We conferenced him in. Both social workers were on the other line, and they explained to us that not only was our was this baby born today, but the birth mother didn't know she was pregnant. So she went to the hospital with stomach pains that morning, and about 30 minutes later, he was born. What? She, I said, yes. what again? That's yeah. shocking. It was, it was a huge <laughs> shock. Uh, <gasps> And so apparently she was not in the right stage of life Mm -hmm. to have a baby. She already had a three-year-old and she said, I can't do this again. Not right now. No, I I can't. So they, they took the baby to the nursery. I don't even think she held him. And they immediately called our adoption agency. The social worker went to talk with her and they came up with a list of qualities that she wanted in adoptive parents for this child. And we hit every single one of them, including she wanted this to be a first child for the family. Mm -hmm. She wanted them to be outdoorsy and like to travel. She wanted the family in her words, she wanted the family to be hurting for a child. Mm. And that right there, I thought, oh my gosh, that's us. And that also says a lot about her. Right. That she wanted her child to be a blessing to another family that had gone through everything. So it all kind of made sense, right? Yeah. If you hadn't gone through those things, she wouldn't have picked you. 
Exactly. And our agency, being the Christian agency that they are, they prayed about us. They prayed for the baby. They prayed for the birth mom. And this was the conclusion that they came up with was Sean and Shannon are the family that this baby needs. And we're going to place them with Sean and Shannon. And in hindsight, everything that went down in April, apparently because we handled ourselves in a reserved and respectful way during that situation, that made a big impression on the social worker working with the birth mothers, which is why we went to the top of their list of families to recommend. Wow. That's amazing. And you know, that is great advice. That is great advice. The way that you handle yourself in disappointment and grief really shines through what character you have. And I say this too, in our situation, when the birth father showed up and decided to parent, we did the same thing. We just walked away and I just sent her a nice text and said, you know, I wish you the best. Do you know that our daughter Vivi is her daughter? She got pregnant again and she called me because I didn't flip out. I didn't say the things I was feeling. I just did the right thing, which was just love her and just wish them the very best. And then the next time she got pregnant, she called me. So we kept up that relationship. So it doesn't always mean the very end, even for that birth mother that has changed her mind. So the way that you handle grief is so, so important. And so you go to the hospital, were all the papers signed? So actually we didn't even go to the hospital because She wanted a completely anonymous adoption, closed adoption. She sadly did not want anything to do with with the baby or us. So she didn't even want us to know which hospital that he was born at because she didn't want us to know which area she lived in, you know, in case we bumped into her or in case we found her, whatever. So... We did not go to the hospital. He, we say the stork drove a Subaru because the social worker drove her Subaru into our driveway and dropped off the baby into our living room. Ah, you really did get a stork drop. Yeah, it really was. And it was amazing. I mean, she came in, she definitely had paperwork for us to sign, but she left about an hour later and And he was your baby. He was ours. Yeah. How much did he weigh? Two days after he was born, he weighed seven pounds, 12 ounces. Oh my gosh. That is so sweet. That story is very similar to our story. And, you know, I always was using stork drop and I had somebody tell me that that was very offensive to them because it was saying that the birth mother had no responsibility, that the birth mother in a sense was a stork. And we're not saying that, but it's a way to say that this baby was delivered to, to your home. I mean, and it's amazing. And another way to say it is hospital drop, but it wasn't your hospital drop because you didn't go to the hospital. Right. So what a huge blessing. I mean, were you just in heaven with this baby? Yes, he was wonderful. He's been a perfect baby ever since he's now 18 months old and he's just a great kid. And we, we couldn't love him anymore. And we do, we hope that one day his birth mom will change her mind and will want to contact him. Because of that, Mm -hmm. we are still sending every few months, we're sending letters and pictures to update her to the agency. So if she ever does decide to change her mind, she can contact the agency and get updates. Whether she decides to contact him or us, that's different, but she can at least know what's going on. And hopefully one day down the road, whether it's 5, 10, or even 20 years down the road, 
we hope that he can have some sort of a relationship and at least know who she is and where he came from. So important. It's so important mm-hmm. to always stay loving the birth mom. We have a close adoption right. as well, but I adore her. I can't wait to meet her. I know one day I'll meet her. And I look at this little boy and I see her and I'm like, yeah. she must have been amazing because this kid is so amazing. And there was no right. birth father named. So I can't really, I don't know that we'll connect mm-hmm. to the birth father, but I do have a very special place in my heart, even though I've never met her for this woman that gave this child life right. and has changed my life. We have to move your story forward though, guys, because yeah. I want to talk about, this is my favorite topic. I mean, adoption is my favorite topic, but you know what? This is like my ultimate favorite. And everybody who listens to this podcast knows I'm crazy about embryo adoption. And you guys went that route and we helped you. Because of you. I can't believe that. Yes. So while we were waiting for Logan's adoption, that's our son's name, we were listening to the Adoption Now podcasts and we love them. And you guys mentioned embryo adoption. This was even before Logan was born. Sean and I looked at each other and we said, oh my gosh, number two, once we adopt baby number one, number two, we're going to go through embryo adoption. And that's what we did. Logan came home. He was a perfect little baby. And I think two months later, we had already started talking about how are we going to get number two and what agency are we going to go through for this embryo adoption? We could have gone through Logan's original adoption agency for embryo adoption. However, it was going to be a huge cost as well as it would be a whole nother home study. And it, it was whether it was open or closed adoption. And for the embryo adoption, we didn't really have that desire or that need to have an open adoption. We just said, you know, it can be closed. We don't need to know the donor parents. And so that's when we also heard on one of your Adoption Now podcasts about going to Prague and doing embryo adoption overseas. So that was kind of where our research started because of the cost in the U.S. clinics and with the U.S. agencies. And so that's where we ended up. We went through a clinic that was just outside of Prague, about two hours away, and I think Logan was eight months. I mean, we probably were setting ourselves up for trouble having children so close in age, but he was eight months when we went to Prague to go have our embryos transferred. Okay, everybody's like mind is blown. If you don't know about embryo adoption, you got to check it out. If you can carry a baby, this is a way to adopt a baby, but carry your own baby. I mean, it's not your DNA, but you're carrying a baby. It's just, it just blows my mind that science can allow us to do it. And at first my husband was like, that is a weird thing. That is a very weird thing you're talking about on your podcast. But as he started to learn about it, he was like, it's actually a miracle. To think that life begins at conception and we've got all these embryos sitting in a freezer and people don't necessarily want to carry them. And then there's families that do. It's just a match and it takes out most of the legal stuff. It takes out the fear of, is anybody going to change their mind? It takes out, 
any health concerns because you are carrying the baby. So you're not going to find out when you go to the hospital, mom did drugs or there was alcohol involved. You are in control in that way. And when you fly to Prague, it's less expensive. How much did you pay from beginning to end in embryo Um, adoption? So if you include the costs of flights and a absolutely awesome week-long vacation with a car road tripping through Germany, Austria, the Czech Republic, and Slovakia, because we had to take a whole week mm-hmm. because we weren't exactly sure where on the cycle it would land, mm-hmm. the whole thing was probably 7 or 9K, which is way cheaper than the wow. U.S. When we got seven. a vacation through Central Europe. I mean, that yeah. includes vacation costs. Seven to $9,000. That is way less than traditional adoption. And I'm for traditional adoption. Don't write me a message and say that I'm anti. I'm not, but I love that this is an option. So you get your body ready. You go to the clinic, you talk to your clinic, you get your body ready, and then you fly over? Right. The clinic overseas actually prescribed and shipped us our medications. And thankfully, there were no needles involved with all the IVF treatments. We had had hundreds of needles and injections. And All of this were by other means, so it was very nice not to have to do that. But we had all of our medications shipped to us, and they said days 19 through 21 of your cycle will be the transfer. So that's when we knew we could book our trip over there, and it worked out that we flew over, and the next day was the transfer day, and then we had a week to enjoy Europe. And it was very smooth. The whole process from the minute we contacted the agency to the transfer was completely smooth. The the language barrier was never an issue. The clinic itself was very, I mean, it was as if we were in America. There was nothing scary about it at all. We had a great experience, wonderful doctors and nurses. And we were in and out of the clinic within an hour. That's how quick and efficient it was. Wow. And then we were pregnant. (laughs) You guys keep talking about this great trip. Forget embryo adoption. I I just want to go to Prague now. You guys talked about how you transferred two embryos, right? They allow you to, is that as many as they will transfer? Yes. They ask if you want one or two, and then they ask if you want them to be screened, tested or not. And we decided that with the fertility struggle that we had gone through, we definitely wanted them to be tested embryos, and we wanted to go ahead and transfer two to have the best chance of having at least one of them stick for a pregnancy. And were they biological? They were biological siblings, yes. That That's just crazy to me, because if you carry them separately, they wouldn't be twins. I mean, that just blows my mind. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. you put them both in, and did you know you were pregnant right away? I didn't. I kind of had some cramping and some weird feelings, and I thought, huh, and of course, Dr. Google told me that, you know, this <laughs> could be implantation cramps, and so I had an inkling, but I wasn't positive, because with all the medications, you have pregnancy-type symptoms anyway, mm-hmm. so that's what I kept telling myself. No, it's just all the medications that I'm feeling this way. You know, I wasn't holding my breath until we actually got home and we took the pregnancy test. And that's when I knew, okay, this is real. (laughs) Were you so excited? I was. It didn't take half a second, and I broke down in tears. I was so beyond happy. 
that Sean was like, are you okay? Is this real? Are you okay? I was so hysterical with happy tears that he thought I was a little nuts. But we immediately started calling some friends and family saying, this is happening. And I've never seen those pink lines on the pregnancy test before. I mean, I was beyond excited. And I feel like that was one of the best nights of my life. I can still picture it looking at that pregnancy test. And how long after did you find out that both embryos had taken? It probably was about a week. Um, We went in for blood work a couple days later. And then a couple days after that, we went in for a sonogram to prove that it was a viable pregnancy with a heartbeat. And they saw two sacs and two heartbeats. So we knew that they were twins. Sean, were you so excited? Were you like, what? I was excited and terrified. Uh Um, (laughs) I could hear the circus music in the background, like trying to imagine juggling three kids at the same time. Like I'm an only child and trying to imagine three kids and trying to juggle careers and everything else. And I I was excited, but definitely um, a little panicked. Yes, I I bet. The first month of the pregnancy, Sean was in shock trying to process everything. But once my belly started to grow and we started seeing more sonogram pictures and profiles and, you know, we could see their little hands and their little feet, I think that's when he really started to open up about the idea of, wow, this is really pretty cool. Right, Sean? Yeah, I mean, I think I also, after I was shocked, I also started thinking, okay, what are the nuts and bolts of having three kids under two and how do we manage this and what do we do? And like planning was good. So that helped a lot. Like, how are we going to do this? And so far, so good. We're, we're mostly doing it, I think. And you gave birth to two, two beautiful girls. Yes. Uh, when's their birthday? November 19th. Oh, so, so yeah, they, they are not very big. Birthday. No, and they came six weeks early. So oh, my goodness. In a couple days, they will be 12 weeks old. However, they are closer to six-week gestation because they were due on New Year's Eve. So it's as if they are six-week-old babies. So that adds a little extra challenge just because they are so young and so such the newborn stage still. But we are definitely, we've gotten social smiles now, hmm. we've gotten a lot of eye contact, and it's hard, it's very challenging with all three, but it's a lot of fun, and we're really enjoying these girls now. Wow, you guys are in the middle of getting no sleep, so thank you for taking oh, yeah. time to do this interview. You did not sound <laughs> sleep-deprived yeah. at all. I, I'm That's glad we put on a show for you. <laughs> yes, you did a great job, and thank you for involving us in your journey. This is why I do the show, is I love adoption, I love stories, I love the pictures. Everybody that has been on the show can tell you I am willing to go through the grief and the joy with you because I've been there too. And I know what it's like to want to be a mom and feel like, am I ever going to bring my child home and why is this so difficult? And I also know what it's like to bring those babies home and experience the joy of being a parent and the exhaustion of it. But it's a good, it's a good exhaustion. And it sounds like that's where you guys are at. And I'm so, so very happy for you. Thank you. Thank you. Don't forget to like Adoption Now on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. And remember, all of our podcasts are available at our website at adoptionnow.com. Thank you for tuning into Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you next week. 